Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. That works through us and in us, Lord. It's your mighty power working in us. I thank you for that, Jesus. We just open our hearts to receive all that you have for us this evening, Lord. I ask that you fill us. God, those areas that we're lacking, and I ask that um, you would fill. God, those areas where we're hard, I ask that you would soften our heart. Those areas where we're ignorant to your word, I ask that you would open our eyes to see. I thank you that you lead us into all truth, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. This feels really high. Can I go down there? Can we maybe set me up down there? <laughs> I gotta come look at your eyeballs. <laughs> Do the mum stare. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. To all you moms, <laughs> thank you. I want to honor my own mom. Mom, I want to thank you. My mom was the one that um, led me to the Lord at seven years old. And uh, I will forever be grateful. So thank you, mom. So usually on Mother's Day, I like to, um, I, I always study a different woman in the Bible, and God just kind of unravels some neat things with different women in the Word, and um, I like that part because sometimes I get to look at ones that you don't really get to hear much about, and then it's like God just opens up a lot. Um, but this year, I was praying about what he wanted me to share, and uh, I just started thanking him for all the moms in the church. And I started thinking of you all individually. And I was thinking of, oh, I really like that about this one. And I really like this about their character. And I was thinking of all the different things that I really appreciate and enjoy out of the moms. And it hit me that, that God himself, like, we are created in the image of God. And there are things that mothers carry that God, that's actually part of his image. And so we're going to go there. I know that God's our father. I'm not saying he's not our heavenly father. But there's aspects in the word that he refers to with women in, in, and uh, mothers specifically that actually portray and bring out his character. And so I'm really excited about what he's shown me. So it's neat because the word of God always brings life. And so uh, the one thing uh, I was thinking of, because now that we have Timothy um, in our crawl space trying to pull out some of our baby toys and baby books that we used to have when I had the other six little. And one of the books that we had was 
Um, it was called um, That's Not Your Mama. And I, it, it was like when I was getting ready and I was praying, that book just came to my memory, like the, I'm Not Your Mother. And it's about this little duck that goes, he goes to the cow, and well, that's not his mommy. He says, well, do you know where my mom is? And then he goes to the pig, and he goes to all these different things, and, and they keep saying, well, I'm not your mommy. I'm not your mother. And so when I was getting ready for this, it's like God said, there are aspects that I am that other things don't possess. Like, uh, let me backtrack. All right. There are, I read a really neat, this is off. I read a really neat article. It was about the five worst animals in, in mothers. Okay, so moms, be encouraged that you are not a koala bear because koala bears feed their babies poop. <laughs> or just be thankful that you're not a panda bear mother because if you had twins, you would pick one that you liked the best and you'd let the other one die. There's another animal, I can't remember its name, it starts with a C-A-U, caca, or something. It looks kind of, what is it? Something like that, yes. And when a predator comes to it, in order to run and be safe, it'll throw its children to it. <laughs> so so we're, doing, we're doing pretty good, moms. <laughs> we're not doing that. But the Word of God also has some in it that are interesting. So, in Job 39, 13 to 16, we got an image here. It says, The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, though they cannot compare with the wings and feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the ground. This is in Job 39. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them, that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labor was in vain. Do we have the, so that is not your mama. The ostrich, we are not like the ostrich. God is not like the ostrich. He says later on, if you keep reading it, it says that he made it so that it didn't have any common sense. It didn't have any mind. But God doesn't treat us harshly. But so many times when we refer to, the, to God, we always talk as if he's a harsh God, ready to hit us or desert us or be indifferent and not care about what we're in. He's not like the ostrich. That's not who our God is. Then, in Job 17, verse 12. We'll start there. It says, Oh, I love it. It says, my days have passed and my plans are shattered, yet the desires of my heart turn night into day. In the face of the darkness, light is near. If the only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in the realm of darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, 
and to the maggot, you are my mother or my sister, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? Uh, Our mama is not maggots. God is not like the maggot where it says that we have no hope, that we just feel like all we've got is the grave. That's not who our God is. He says he's the God of hope. But we walk around like our God is a maggot. That he, he, he doesn't have anything. You know, maggots, I, I did a little research on maggots. <laughs> it says that maggots, they grow and feed on garbage, rotten food, and things that are dead. That's not... Uh, That's a hopeless situation. And you know what it says? You know what animal is the most prone to maggots? Because I always thought maggots just went on things that were dead. I didn't realize that you could actually be infested with them while you're alive. But it's sheep. Sheep actually are the most prone to infections with maggots. I thought that was kind of interesting. But God is a God of hope. He's not, our mama is not, maggots. Our God is a God of hope, and he has so much for us that he wants us to be able to receive and to learn from him. So we're going to look at a few things that God says that he is in the word, where he is a loving, nourishing father. He takes good care. He, he actually, it says that he lavished his love upon us, that we are called children of God. Only God Almighty could do that. And out of the times that we're living in, it is so important that we understand who our God is towards us, that we can rest in knowing who he is. We can rest in the character of God. We can rest in knowing that regardless of all the chaos that goes on outwardly, I can find rest for my soul because of who he is, not because of what's all around. Then it says, let me, um, I'm going to pull it up on my phone because it's easier to see. Ezekiel 16. It just takes longer than flipping it. Ezekiel 16, and we'll start at verse 4. It says, On the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut, and you were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in cloth. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you or cared for you. And on the day you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in a field, and left to die. That sounds really grim, doesn't it? I, I love the word of God because he paints a picture. Like, I like to, I, I learn and see things through picture. And to me, this is a very clear picture of like an abandoned baby that was just born. It wasn't even wanted or desired and just left. 
But God doesn't leave us there. Listen to what he says. He says, but I came by and saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your own blood. As you lay there, I said, live. And I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and became a beautiful jewel. Your breasts became full and your body hair grew, but you were still naked. I love that part. That not only did he rescue, but he nurtured and cared and caused that child to grow. But he still said, but yet you were still naked. And he didn't even just leave us there. He didn't just leave us running around being uncared for and attended to. But he continues and he says, And when I passed by again, I saw that you were old enough for love. So I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness and declared my marriage vows. I made a covenant with you, says the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Then I bathed you and washed off your blood, and I rubbed fragrant oils into your skin. I gave you expensive clothing of fine linen and silk, beautifully embroidered, and sandals made of fine goatskin leather. I gave you lovely jewelry, bracelets, beautiful necklaces, a ring for your nose, earrings for your ears, and a lovely crown for your head. And so you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were made of fine linen and costly fabric and were beautifully embroidered. You ate the finest foods, choice flour, honey, and olive oil, and became more beautiful than ever. You looked like a queen, and so you were. That's our God. That's how he takes care of us. He takes us from where we're at, even if we were pitied and despised, he takes us, he saw and he loved on us and he caused us to grow and to mature in him, but then to also clothe us with the finest clothing. He, it says that he clothes us in righteousness, like we are clothed in Christ. It says that, you know, we are well taken care of. They ate, we ate the finest of foods like this is who our God is this is who our God is he's not sitting there saying oh well you know the economy it, you know you better go dig a hole and crawl in it because it's going to get real bad you know but that but the, that's what we're hearing all the time and you know what that does it gets our eyes off of who our God is. And believers, it's time for us to realize this is our God. Like we are his representation on the earth. But he has not abandoned us. He has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. He is causing us to grow in him. He is even in the storms of life. He is taking good care of you and I. We get to live for eternity with him. Isn't that amazing? Like, he's loving. He's not harsh. He's not like the ostrich that just, well, well, there you go. Figure it out. He's not the ostrich. Then in Isaiah 66, it says in verse 12, this is what the Lord says, I will give Jerusalem a river of peace and prosperity. 
The wealth of the nations will flow to her. Her children will be nursed at her breasts, carried in her arms, and held on her lap. I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Like, that's what God's saying, even about the children of Israel. He's saying, like, I want to comfort you. I want to hold you on my lap. I want to nurse you. I want to take care of you. I want to calm you down. I want to love on you. I want to hold you close to my heart. You know, it's neat with babies. They say, like, even the scent of a mother, like they recognize the scent and everything of a mom. It's like how close we're to get to our God. Is that we that we're intimate with him, that he knows everything about us. But what happens? <laughs> we, we, we go through things, and then we, we just kind of distance ourselves with God. And then it's like, oh, well, I didn't spend time with God today. Oh, and then we start beating ourselves up over it. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't want to approach God. And then we walk further from him. Because we think he's harsh. We think he's, he, he's going to be angry. And then we just keep going further away and further away and further away. Where all we have to do is come running to him and say, God, I'm so sorry. You know, there are lots of times in my life I just go, God, i got a hard heart in this area. Please soften it. I can't even soften it. I'm just so angry in this situation. I need you to soften me in this area. God, help, help me be able to learn to love well in this area. There are sometimes I'm just, I think I'm never going to get up off the floor because it's like, God, like, the condition of my heart stinks. But it's like, I know I can run to him because he's a good God. And he knows my weaknesses. And he knows how to lead me into all truth. And he knows how, what he wants to fill me with. The problem is, is that we don't allow him to. Psalm 131. It's a short psalm, but it's a good one. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Don't you feel like there's a lot of matters today that are just, we, we can't grasp them. All these secrets. <laughs> you know, the thing is with a lot of the secrets, secrets have been around for a long time. We may have caught on to a few of them, but there's still lots of secrets. We're not going to be able to run down that path and figure it all out. But I don't have to concern myself with all of that. Instead, instead, everybody say instead. Okay, instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Within me is my soul. See, we can speak to our soul. 
Our spirit man is made new when we're born again, but our soul needs to be a talking to. David, you read the Psalms, he's really good at that. He's like, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. He's like, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It's like, I calm myself like a weaned child. If you're not calmed and quieted and you don't have peace, run to him. Get in that place where he is quieting you with his love. It doesn't mean that it's not a real situation. But where's your hope? Where's your trust? Where's your faith? I love when Jesus was in the boat and it was that big storm and you're with a bunch of fishermen that have been through many storms and the disciples finally woke Jesus up and they, they were like, wake up, like we're, we're going to drown. So, so they knew they were going to die. And you know what it says? It says, and they were in real danger. It wasn't even a preconceived idea that they had. It, it actually was reality. They really were in danger. They really could have drowned. And you know what the first thing Jesus says? He says, where's your faith? Or another thing is, where's your trust? Because I'm right here with you in the boat. And some of us have faced some pretty serious storms in life. And God's not negating them or pretending they aren't really a real storm. He's not saying, you know, just ignore it. Speak all your, you know, faith scriptures over it. No, he knows that it's affecting your soul. So what he's telling us is, look, I want you to come to me. I want you to quiet yourself and calm. Calm your, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, about how we do that. I want to quiet you. I want you to be calmed like a weaned child who no longer cries for his mom. It's milk. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. Or another version says, quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. This is who our God is. He will take delight in you with gladness. He's not sitting there looking at you like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, what a wash up. Look at I've told them how many times, and they still don't listen. Ding-dongs. God doesn't do that to us. He, he says, I delight in you. I'm living among you. I'm a mighty savior. My arm is not too short to save, he says. He says, with my love, I'm, I'm going to calm your fears. How do you get rid of fear? There's a lot of uncertainties in this world right now. 
Let's let God calm our fears with his love. Another verse in the New Testament says, perfect love casts out all fear. When I was younger, that was the thing I had to get delivered of was fear. I was so full of fear, I hated being left alone when I was a teenager. It was like, it just, I was afraid of every sudden disaster because I had so many deaths that happened at that age all around me. And I felt like just sudden disasters was going to be lurking. I had different ones that had accidents and injuries and illnesses, and it just snowballed and spiraled because I didn't have my eyes on him. And what that did on the inside is I just became full of fear, thinking oh, uh, to the point where I didn't even want to go and further my education. I mean, uh, I was an honor student, and they were pushing me to get a bunch of grants and everything, and it was like they were pushing so hard because I was gifted, they said. But the thing that it did is it spiraled the other way around, and I became so depressed because my attitude became, what does it matter what I do? I'm going to die anyways. And I got so full of fear. And when God started to unravel and set me free of that, you know, he... <laughs> All he gave me was that verse, perfect love casts out all fear. And I'd be in the house, and it's like, okay, we're going to deal with this one. And all that fear, it was like, it was so present, it was tangible. I could feel it. And I remember sitting, perfect love casts out all fear, perfect love casts out all fear, perfect love casts out all fear. And I was so full of fear. And I just kept saying it, perfect love casts out all fear. And then all of a sudden, it's like, as I started doing that, I got bolder. It's like, no, perfect love casts out all fear. 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 God, you are perfect love, and you cast out all fear. Fear, go in Jesus' name, because perfect love Cast out all fear. And my Jesus is perfect love. See, that's how you take the word of God and you possess it. You make it a part of who you are. It doesn't mean when you first read a scripture that that's what you're walking in. He will give you a verse that sometimes it's just like doink, doink. It doesn't compute. It doesn't go any further than here because you know it's true because it's in the Word. But you have no bearings on how that even can be applied in your own life. And it's time for us saints to get a hold of the Word and cause, allow it to do that mighty work on the inside of us that we become like Him. In every area. And I don't know about you, but this is a big book with a lot of scripture in it that I am not walking in yet. So we can always be growing and maturing and receiving from him. And you know what we got to do is we got to get good at running to God. When you see where you're failing... And, and struggling. Don't look at that as something negative. You know how I look at it? I look at it as, 
oh, now God wants me to mature in this area. And I run to him with it. And it's like, God, I hate this sin here. Help me, set me free. Set me free, God. And I run to him with that thing. And it doesn't happen just because I asked one day and all of a sudden, you know, an angel came into my living room and, and just totally set me free. Wouldn't that be nice if that's how we received everything? But it's not. The struggle is real. And in that struggling time, it, you dig into the word. What does the word say about this? I love a concordance for that reason. Oh, you think I'm going to deal with fear? All right, let's look up every verse that says about fear. Let's memorize a few of them that really hit the heart. Oh, you're having a hard time in this area? What does the word say? How can I get firmly rooted and established in the word in this area of my life? And then it becomes an adventure because we're doing it with him. He is with us, and it's his mighty power working in us. I love that about God. It's not about me being all done up. And when we start allowing him to flow that way, you know what I believe? I believe the body of Christ will really become actively engaged. I think we disqualify ourselves in a lot of ways. But I think as we start to know who we are in him, we will have boldness and become actively engaged. Because God is so good. This is who our God is. We are a well-watered garden, it says in Song of Songs. In Matthew 23, 37, I love this image. It says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings but you wouldn't let me. Oh, wow. See, the problem isn't that there's not that covering there. The problem is that we won't let them. You know, growing up when I was younger, we, uh, we had chickens. And the hens, it was really neat because the hens, when they gather all the little babies underneath, I don't know if you got that picture, Daniel. It a lot of times you you can't see the little baby. See, you can't see the babies. All you see is the mama and some of her little little chicky feet. And when you're trying to see if you've got all the little chicks, you have to kind of try and disrupt the hen to even see if they're all in there. And she's not moving very easily, I'll tell you that. But God I love that he uses a picture image that he's like, he wanted to be like a hen and just put you under his wings. And if you've ever picked up a chicken, feel the feathers underneath the wings. They are like soft down. They are the most soft place. And I think God did that on purpose. 
It's a picture image. But that's the most loving, comforting place. And that's what he wanted. You know, if it's raining, if, if a weasel comes after those mother, that mother is going to protect and guard that baby. That's the image that he had Jesus. He was weeping over Jerusalem just before he, he went to the cross. And he's like, I, there were so many times I wanted to gather you like children. Like a hand protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. Are we going to let them? Because we, even though we're born again, we have a choice to enter his rest or not. And that's the one thing that's kind of disheartened me a bit with the pandemic is that I, I see the struggle. And it's not because God's not with us, but it's because there's that refusing to allow him to put us under his wings. And it causes a lot of chaos and angst and fear because these are real issues that are spiraling out of our control, right? None of this were we in control of. And a lot of it doesn't make sense to our minds. But we need to get good at running to him and allowing him to be that hen. In Psalm 91.4, it says, He will cover you with his feathers... He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. I love that. You know, uh, about half a year ago when I was spending time with the Lord, it was like there's a few things that I've been praying over for a long period of time. And this one day I was like, God, like, am I ever going to see this? Like, God, like, because I talk to God like I talk to my earthly dad. And I would challenge him. And I, I challenge my heavenly dad. And he's okay with that. And he corrects me when I need to be corrected. And so this one day I was challenging him. I'm like, when, when am I ever going to see this? Like, am I ever going to see this? Like, I know this is what your word says in this situation, God. But I'm not seeing anything move. I'm, I'm not even seeing a little bit of hope here. Like, when is this going to, when are you just going to step in and do something? And you know what he spoke to me? Is he, he gave me that verse. That it says, promises are like an armor. And it was like faith came on the inside in that situation. It was like, you know what, even if I died, because there's a scripture that talks about the prophets, that when they saw the future, that they, they knew that it was coming. And that some of them died without seeing the promise fulfilled. And God said, even if you die, I promise to fulfill it. And that hit me. It was like, yeah, there are some things that we are praying for that God will be answering even after we're gone. Like, only God can do that. Only God can be a God that keeps his promises and keeps his word to the point that even when you're out of the equation, 
he still does it because he's God and he promised it. Just take a moment to think of those things that God promised you. God, I just ask that you bring those things to remembrance right now. Holy Spirit, those things that we've been looking at, I ask that you would bring those forward. Remind us, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that your promises are like an armor and a protection. Psalm 106, it says, The people refused to enter the pleasant land, for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. Instead, this is talking about the Israelites when they were going to the promised land. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. They refused. For they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. Instead, they grumbled. You know, we always look at the Israelites and say, oh, you, you silly little Israelites. Shame on you. But guess what? We're a lot like that, aren't we? We are. And he's looking at us in all the circumstances that we're facing. Because those Israelites, they, they lived in slavery. That's all they knew. When they came out, you know, they saw miracle after miracle. But the, but. They had everything against them. Then they're stuck in the middle of a desert and not knowing any direction. And then you're told it's a promised land, flowing with milk and honey. And you're looking out your window, and all you're seeing out of your tent is sand. How many of us have been there? God gives you a wonderful, you know, you're, you're in church or you're in time with God, and he just speaks to your heart over something, and it's just so beautiful, and you just, oh, you just see the promise, and you just receive it, and then you look out your tent, and all you see is sand. It's like, how will that ever happen, God? And we have a choice. We're going to choose to refuse to believe him, that he's going to take care of me and what he promised, or am I going to choose to, like the Israelites? Am I going to choose to grumble and refuse to obey the Lord? <laughs> it's easy to say we're going to obey God in the bigger things. It's like, well, when God, when this starts to happen, I'll do this. But then I always find it's the little things that trip me up. It's like, okay, well, we'll start with... Um, I, I want you to go and do this. And I was like, huh, what does that have to do with the big picture? Well, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound good. You just obey me. Is that my word, what I've asked you to do? Obey in the small things. And I find with a lot of my victories and freedoms, because I grew up, in a church that didn't 
know that God could set you free. We barely had salvation. And when I got on fire for God, I was a mess. And I was like, okay, we need to some cleanup here. And I didn't have anyone I could go to, so I had to just go to my bedroom and ask God. And all I did was read the word, I kept reading it, and I just cry out to God, okay, I can't deal with depression. I can't get out of bed. All I want to do is sleep. Uh, you tell me that depression's not from you. I'm seeking your face. Set me free, God. Deliver me. Do whatever. Why am I depressed? Set me free. You know what? <laughs> he always has simple things for you to do that walk you out of it. It's like, okay, when it's time to get up, whether you're tired and exhausted or not, I want you to get up. And before you even start to think in the morning, I want you to take time to praise me. And he said, then I got a scripture where it says David praised him seven times a day. He said, I want you to do that. Here I am walking around like this, depressed, okay? Like depressed to the point that I had no hope. I was, I could have slept my life away. I had no energy. And he wants me to praise him. This was foreign to me. I never knew that you talked to God that way, that you thanked and praised him. And I get up, so I set my, in my head, I'm going to praise you as soon as I get up. Then I'm going to praise you, and I would take time. And it would be before I eat lunch, and then before I eat dinner, and after dinner, and before bed. And I had it all scheduled at the seven times that I would do it. And I'd take a couple minutes. If I was out at someone's house, I'd excuse myself from going to the bathroom and just take some time to just praise them. And you know what that simple obedience did is it broke it. It broke depression off of me. Then years later, when I went through a really hard time, uh, my boys were teenagers, and they were not, two of them were not doing well. And then my dad was really ill. And that was the thing that spiraled me, remember, into depression. I started feeling overwhelmed, and I could feel that spirit trying to hit me again. It's like, God, what do you want me to do? And it would show up when I'd go get groceries. And when you have teenage boys, you're going grocery shopping every other day, it feels like. So you're feeding them and all their friends. It was like our bills. Some of you have got boys, what you get to look forward to. Our uh, food bills were bigger than our mortgage. And um, I'd get to that grocery store. And I, I remember so clearly. The wind was blowing and the car doors all I was just I was just like fuming, just full of anger. I was like, God, why I, why do I hate grocery shopping so much? Like, ugh, I just can't stand life. I'm a pastor's wife. Okay? I'm like, ah. And you know what God said to me? He said, 
Sheila, as soon as you come into the driveway for grocery shopping, I want you to start thanking me. Start thanking me for everything. The whole time you're grocery shopping, I want you to be thanking me. And when you come out, then you can be done. But I, I don't want to hear anything out of your, I want nothing on your thought process except that you're thanking me. And I thank you, God. Well, I'm telling you, that was a humbling experience because I had many times in life where I couldn't even afford groceries to even be at a grocery store. So that was a good place to start, that I even was able to be at a grocery store. I was dealing with a father that couldn't walk. God, thank you, I have legs that can move and walk. And as I started putting things in perspective, a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden, I had to go get groceries. I was actually, I, I felt a joy come up and an excitement. I was excited about going. And I went, oh, God, like, how did you do that? He's like, because that became our secret garden, you and I. And that's where I was well watering you and feeding you. See, that's why grumbling is a good place of saying, you know, if I'm grumbling a lot, it's a good indication that the area in your heart needs to be looked at. And that doesn't mean that the attitude's not there, but take God at his word and do the small things that he asks you to do. For me, that was what he had me do. Thankfulness is really a weapon that we need to learn to use well. Hebrews 3, verse 18 and 19, it says, he's talking about the Israelites. He says, wasn't it the people who disobeyed God? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. God is talking about his rest here. And then in Hebrews 4, let me turn there because I want to read a few of them. In Hebrews 4, we'll start at verse 1. It says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. See, we can be believers and still fail to experience his rest. Ew, I don't want to go through life with that. I don't want to be like, <laughs> through life. That's a horrible way to live. And we've all had those moments. Everybody say yes and amen. Yeah, we have. We're human. It says, for this good news that God has prepared this rest. See, he's prepared this for us has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, In my anger I took an oath that they will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Like this was a provision that he made for us, even before the world. 
We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. I love this. And that time is today. It's today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Thank you, God. Today, if you hear my voice, see the the hardening of our heart is a serious thing. It causes us to walk in strife. It causes us not to be close to Him. He doesn't have a problem with what you're struggling with. Is that we don't come to Him in Revelation three fifteen? It's He's talking to the church and He's saying. Look at you were clothed, you were uh, wretched, poor, and blind, and naked. But you said, Oh, we have everything, I'm rich. He's like, No, you don't. Like, this is your condition. If you would only come to me, I will clothe you with my righteousness. I will give salve for your eyes that you may see. See, the, the problem never is that God's withholding. The problem is, is that we're not receiving. Right? Lots of times in my growing stages, when I'm learning a new truth from him, it's not new to him, but it's new to me. Like when, I, when we uh, first pastored in Newfoundland, we had no income. We started a new church, and what came in covered a bit of our rent. We had no money for food, groceries, nothing. Gas in the car, clothes for the children, nothing. We had to believe God for every cent. And I grew up with a mindset that was like a poverty spirit and was really good at saving. But now, all of a sudden, I'm sitting there and I don't have groceries in the fridge and I got to think of a dinner to make my family of five. Well, how do I do that, God? And I had to believe and, and, and learn. What does he say? Your God is my provider. How do I get there? And it, it was allowing his truth to come in, not hardening my heart, but running to him with it. It's like, God, 
Like, I need victory in this area. I need you to set us free in this area. I need to see, God, your word says that my children will not be found begging for bread. And then all of a sudden, he just, he said, your fight is not with me. I'm not the God that's withholding from you. You need to receive from me. You need to speak to that devil. I'll tell you, I marched into that living room. I bound that spirit of poverty. I just started, it's like I literally saw what that spirit looked like. And I know it got addressed that day. And all of a sudden, in the natural, finances started coming. Food from people that didn't even know started coming. Money started coming in to take care of us because God is our provider. But there are things that we need to start wrestling with with the word. We don't have to act like a know-it-all. How many say there's an area in my life I'm dealing with right now? Yeah, we, we all do. You know why? Because God's a loving God, and he wants to lead us into all truth. So, Sydney, do you know this whole word? Are you living every scripture? No. So there's room for growth because we live forever. So there's room for growth, and it's a good thing. But it's entering into his rest. That I really want to underline here that he says, today, when you hear my voice, and then tomorrow, he's going to say, today, when you hear my voice, and then the next day, he's going to say, today, when you hear my voice. See, every day, he is speaking. He is not silent. There are days I feel like I have been put in a dark room. I can't hear anything. I can't see anything. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I don't know what's going on. The only thing I know is God is good. And I just start singing, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good to me. And I just kept singing it, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good to me. I just kept singing, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good to me. Did I feel it? No. I felt like he had abandoned me. I felt like he ripped me off, if I'm going to be real honest. I look at all my friends and all the things that they were going through, and I'm like, what is going on here? Okay, God, you say you give us direction. I'm not hearing nothing. I'm not seeing nothing. I'm not feeling nothing. And I, I thought, I'm going to just keep singing God is good. God is good. God is good to me. I kept singing that over and over and over again. And I'm singing it to myself. And I kept singing it to myself. Then I kept singing it to him. Because it's like, God, I don't care what comes my way. God, you are good to me. God, you are good to me. I will die believing, God, you are good to me. 
I'd like to say that the heavens opened and, you know, I got a great revelation and I got all the direction I needed and, you know, that everything went well. No, no. I'm still believing God for direction in some of these areas. But I know God is good to me. I know that if I don't understand the hand of God, Rosetta used to say this, and I loved it, but Rosetta always used to pray. She says, if I don't understand always the hand of God, but I can know the heart of God. I might not understand what he's doing or how he's doing it or why things are happening the way they're happening and why I can't seem to get control in any area. But I can know that heart of God because the word of God tells me his heart. And his heart is loving. His heart is nurturing. He says he's like a mother and we're like that child on the lap that we are nursed, that we are quieted in his love. I love that with little Timothy. I mean, the other six are all too big now. I don't want to sit on your knee. But, you know, they give you quick kisses and they're gone. But, like, Timothy, like, you can rock him to sleep and he just, you know, not a care in the world. I love that about babies. Just, you know, everything can be going on like chaos around them. They're like, I'm well fed. I'm well taken care of. Well, that's the examples God's using here in the Word. So if I'm not there, then I've got room for growth. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So God, I thank you that you are good to us. I thank you for that, Lord. God, I ask that you would quiet us with your love. We give you those areas of our lives that are screaming. God, I ask that we would be quick to obey, that we would not be like the Israelites where they hardened themselves and that they didn't believe. They chose to not believe your promise God, as big as those promises are that you've given us and as far away as they seem in the natural, I ask that I would have a heart to believe those promises, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God, we don't want to be those that fail to experience the rest from you, but God, we want to go to that place of rest. God, that area that you provided for us, I want to rest in the shelter of your wings, Lord. I thank you that there's a place for all of us there, that you do not deny us, but that we can come close to you, God. And I thank you for the mothers, Lord, big church. 
I ask that you would continue to strengthen and bless them, Father, and help them to, to um, be the image of you in this area, Lord, for their children. God, I thank you that we are a well-watered garden and that we find peace because you are the God of peace. And God, in those areas where we lack wisdom, I ask for your wisdom. I thank you for leading us and directing our path, making, you said that you make level paths for our feet to walk on, and I thank you for that, Lord. Even when we don't comprehend, God, you are leading, and we trust you with our lives. You are good to us, God, and we just love you. You are so good to us, Lord. Let's sing that song, okay? God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. your name. I'll praise your name. I'll praise your name. You're so good to me. God, you're so so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. I just speak to all those areas. Lord, I thank you that your peace passes all understanding. God, I ask that you would just <clears throat> calm our every fear. I thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. God, those things in the future that we can't control, I just thank you that, God, that we can firmly root ourselves and establish ourselves in you, that you take good care of us, that you're... Uh, 
that you, uh, your promises are our armor and our protection. I thank you for that, Lord. God, I thank you for each one of those battles that we all have that are facing us. God, I thank you that you are God with us and that, God, that you deliver us and that you set us free. I thank you for causing us to continue to grow in you, that we would grow close to you, Lord. God, any areas in our hearts that are hard, and I ask that you would just soften those areas now. God, those places that need conviction, I ask for your conviction. God, do that heart surgery on the inside of us tonight. God, if there's any area that you say, I want you to obey in this area, God, let us be quick to obey, even in the small things that you impress on us, Lord. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what the Spirit is saying. God, I thank you that you said that you clothe us with your righteousness. You give salve for our eyes that we would see. That you give us the riches of your glory. God, I thank you that what we are in right now is only momentary troubles, you say, in comparison to eternity. We put our eyes on you, Jesus. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. God, I ask that just like we read how you are like a mother, that you want to quiet us, that you want to have us sit on, our, on your laps, and that you want to comfort us like a child. I ask that you would comfort us in those areas, Lord, that we need comfort. God, there's been a lot of things that we've had to navigate. You see every one of them. And you don't negate what we've gone through, but God, you bring us through. And we thank you for that, Jesus. God, let us be that light in a dark world. Let us shine your light through us, Lord. Let the world see how well we're taken care of by you because we receive freely from you, Lord. We can freely give. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to
you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to be. And this is what Jesus sings back to us. I love you so. I love you so. I love you so. I love you so. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stay under the shelter of his wings. Let's stay as close as we can to him. Let's stay so close that we can actually hear his heart beat and hear what's on his heart. Amen. We can get close We can get very close to him, regardless of what's going on on the outside. So, love you guys. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.